You can be seated. Father God, even as we sing those three songs today, we are reminded of who you are. And Lord, in the midst of everything, we just thank you for reminding us today that you are our way maker. that you are faithful. Father God, we pray that you are loud this morning. Let your words be heard over all else. That you heal hearts, that you challenge minds. And above all things, that you're glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I've told you this before, but as I've also told you before, it's my job to remind you of true things, not to teach you true things, because most of us know true things. So I want to remind you of this. None of you are any good. There you go. There's your hope for the day. Take that with you all week long. In fact, in fact, you're all quite horrible. And that is the premise and the basis of what we call the gospel. Is that we aren't good enough. And we can't do it ourselves. And we need a savior because we cannot save ourselves. That is exactly why we serve a God. It's because we acknowledge that he is God and we are not. I want to do something. We don't do a whole lot of audience participation stuff around here, unless you're a hypnotist or something. Um, but I just want to do this real quick with you. If you're not comfortable doing it, that's fine. Do it anyway. Um, when I was at NYC National Youth Conference uh, decades ago, it seems like now, um, we had a speaker. His name is Chris Fulmer. And, and he had us do this at the beginning of his talk because the whole premise of his talk was based on this. I want you to just cover up your face so you're not looking around. Close your eyes. Cover up your face. And I want you to say this out loud. You are God, and I am not. Say that again. You are God, and I am not. That should be the best news that you can utter ever. The fact that we don't have to rely on who we are that we don't have to rely on this word that we've been singing about. And I just, can I just, I just, I don't do this enough. Ben and I don't talk about the music. He knows the general theme of today and has a scripture. And there are times that we come to church on Sunday morning and he start, I'm here for practice and I'm just like listening going, I don't even have to talk. Because every single song that he has done is exactly what I want to convey. And, I'll, and I, I am fully aware that music is a much better conveyor of truth than me. It's, it's one of these great things that just happens when the Holy Spirit is lined up and people are praying over what we're talking about, what we're doing. And so this idea of faithfulness, I remember the first time that I realized that faithfulness is an attribute of God and not necessarily an attribute of us. Because I, I've always, I always thought to myself that faithfulness, how it really was supposed to look, was that God was the object, not the subject. 
But throughout Scripture, we have these amazing illustrations of not people being faithful, but God being faithful. And it changes the way we enter into all of this stuff. Who is it that has always kept the covenant faithful? God. If you ever get asked a question in church, you don't know the answer. It's usually Jesus, God, fast, Bible, pray. Just shout one of those out confidently, you might be right. You got a one in five chance. God is the one that was faithful of his covenant. Who, who says he'll never abandon his people? Uh, I was waiting for someone to say fasting. Yeah. <laughs> there are time after time that we open up our book and we read about who is the one who is faithful. Who is the one that is constantly, and this is your question, just wanted to throw that out there. Who is the one that is constantly breaking the covenant? Us. Who is the one that is forsaking God? Us. Who is abandoning meeting, with, meeting together with one another? Us. It's not God. So when we gather sometimes and we pray this prayer, I try not to, but sometimes I catch myself doing it, where I pray, God, please come to this building. God, be here this morning. What a silly prayer. Because he's always faithful to gather. It's us that don't. We're the ones that it's, we're like, hey, look, the 49ers play today, and uh, I'm just not going to make it. Or, or, the, or the Chiefs think they still have a slight chance, and uh, I, I just need to watch them lose. And so we have, we, we have excuses to not gather. God has never made an excuse to not gather with his people when they gather. So we have this promise of God that he will be faithful throughout everything. In the midst of our ugliness, God's promises, he's faithful. In the midst of our betrayal, God is faithful. In the midst of our dishonor, God is faithful. In the midst of our sin, God is faithful. No matter what you throw into that category, God is faithful. This morning, I want to remind us that even in the midst of our suffering and our mourning and our sorrow, God is faithful. Even in the midst of our questions, God is faithful. In the midst of our doubt, God is faithful. In fact, I, I truly believe with my whole heart that we serve a God that's big enough for our doubt. And we serve a God that's big enough for our questions and our anger. Because here's what happens. When we believe that faithfulness is a human characteristic, then all of a sudden everything becomes on what we do. And there's been a lie that's been told in the church and from the pulpit for year after year after year. That to be a Christian, you have to be, to, even to be a, a good Christian, let alone any, a bad Christian, to be a Christian, you have to be faithful. Can I just tell you right now that your salvation has nothing to do with you? Your salvation is not because you are faithful, because you are good, because you've worked hard enough, because you've done anything. Your salvation is based 100% on God's faithfulness because he came in to save you when you did not deserve it. We talked about it at youth group just this last week that there's this, this, this amazing concept about God that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not why we were faithful, 
Not why we did everything right. Not when we checked out the boxes. Not when we honored the covenant. Not when we did everything that God asked us to do. Not when we were entirely sanctified. Not when we did anything. But when we were still sinners. And in case you're wondering, that is all of you. Because part of that scripture is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. Whenever I hear that, the best way that I can wrap my mind around that, and I don't know why, I probably shouldn't put a human being on a pedestal, but I think this, Billy Graham has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The, the most spiritual, iconic person that you could think of, other than Jesus, has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Peter, Paul, my Mary, not just the group, all of them sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that is why we need a Savior. If you were faithful, if you could keep the covenant, if you could keep the commands, there'd be no need. But because it's not about our faithfulness, we need to serve a God who is faithful. Now, here's why that, I think, is the best news that we will talk about through this whole series. The, the whole idea of epiphany is about revelation. It's about shining light on. It's about this idea that we are being motivated and pulled to the light, to this idea of knowing what's going on. It's this revelation that maybe we didn't have before. Now, I know that most of us in this room have heard this before, that grace is all that counts. That you are saved by grace, not by works. That you are saved by faith alone. That, that all of this, I know that a lot of you have heard that. But we tend to forget that because we get in this cycle of we have to earn something. We have to do something. And all of a sudden, we go from this place of faith alone, of relying on the grace of God, the faithfulness of God, to trying to somehow convince God that we are good enough and worthy of his salvation. Now, no one would come out and just say that that's what they're doing, but we do it. And usually it looks like this. You'll see someone in need, and there's this stirring inside of you. And then there's this other voice that says, no. And you fight that voice with this voice. It's what God would want. WWJD. What would Jesus do? When you start living, what would Jesus do? Because it's a checklist of what you need to do to be like Jesus, you've missed the point of it. This is what our faithfulness looks like. Our faithfulness is not the faithfulness that God has. It is not this perfection that is pulling us toward. It is not the, this holiness that we can't possibly achieve. Our faithfulness looks like this, that we are willing to say, what would Jesus do? Because he has transformed our lives, and that is now a response that we're giving, not a checklist. We are responding to the grace that he gave us by sharing grace with others. We are responding to the faithfulness that he has shown us by trying to be faithful ourselves, honoring what he has done for us. Your faithfulness is nothing. My, my faithfulness 
Like, my faithfulness to this place, I will tell you right now that I have probably a very unhealthy loyalty to this place. And there have been times in the very recent past that this place has become an idol to me. There are times, well, I'll just, I'll break it down like this. Julie wasn't going to be here so I could talk freely about her, but now she is, so. When Julie and I first met, there is no doubt in my mind that she was more Nazarene than Christian. And that's, that's putting our faithfulness in this wrong place. There are times that I, man, I, I, I love this place. I love the people that are here. I love, I love coming here on Sundays. It's very, and that's how I know I need a vacation when I don't love coming here on Sundays. There are times in my life where I have to step back and go, wait a second. Why am I gathering on Sunday? And I hope that the reason you're gathering here today and every Sunday after is that we are just in awe and unbelief in God's faithfulness. When we start relying on ourselves, is a very simple antidote. That antidote is grace. And we have to double down on it. And we have to remind ourselves that we aren't good enough. The scripture this morning I want to look at is in the book of Psalms. It goes like this. For the director of music of David, a psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock. See, this is what I mean. I can read that to you, but because we sang it earlier, you see, we trick you into memorizing scripture. (laughs) He set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to be proud to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. Many are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you didn't require. Then I said, here I am. Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. David says so much 
in these few verses. So much of the way that we are to respond to the God who is faithful. So much of the way to respond to the God who does take care of us. Because right now, there are people right now that are having a hard time understanding the faithfulness of God. And we've been there. There, there is very few of us. And if, you, if you're one of these people, man, that, that's amazing. But very, I would argue that none of us have gotten to where we are without saying, God, why? What is going on? And David says that I will remember the miracles that you have done. I will remember your faithfulness. One of the reasons why we gather every Sunday, and I hope that I've done an adequate job of depicting this, I hope that none of you walk into this place and leave here feeling worse than you did. Now, I say that kind of in jest, but I'm telling you there are churches that that is their point. To remind you so much of your sin that when you leave here, you feel horrible. I want you to leave here trusting that the God that we talk about is big enough to cover your sin and faithful enough to do it. It doesn't do me any good to stand up here with a list and read off all of your sins, calling you out one by one, if I don't also remind you of a God that is big enough to cover those. If I don't also remind you that we serve a faithful God that wants to come down and blanket those things. You know, in the Jewish tradition, they have their Jewish New Year called Yom Kippur. And in Yom Kippur, they atone for their sins. It is the one time of year that they gather, and, and, and back in the temple days, they would cast their sins upon a goat and send that goat into the wilderness and hope that goat didn't come back. Because if the goat came back, that means the sins of the people would come back. Well, they couldn't take that risk, so they would follow the goat and then push the goat off a cliff because that goat can't come back. They gather together in this idea that God is big enough to atone for their sins, that God is big enough to show up for their sins, and they have this physical representation of what that looks like. Problem is, is that's not very clean and tidy. In fact, when I told you that story, most of your faces went, ha, you can't push a goat off a cliff. You know, it's where the term scapegoat comes from. Because that goat was the scapegoat for all the people's sins. It's messy. And I would even argue that we as people today living in 2020 have no concept of sacrifice. I mean, you, you know what sacrifice is, like when Lent comes around and you give up soda. And, and we know what sacrifice is when, like, we're at the end of our budget and we can't buy potato chips that month because we can't afford it. We know what sacrifice is because we, when, when we're a little bit over budget, we can't heat our house to 70 degrees. We have to turn it down a little bit. We know what that sacrifice is. But when we start talking about this idea of sacrifice being something dying, Something being killed on our behalf, it gets really, really messy. In fact, it's something that I, I don't know that any of us can really wrap our minds around unless 
you've lived in a place. You ever see the show Life Below Zero? Now that Disney Plus is out, I've seen all these new shows. It's about these, these people that live in Alaska, most of them in very remote places. I would argue that they know what sacrifice looks like. Because if they don't kill a caribou, they don't eat. If they don't harvest that animal, they do not eat. You know what we do when we want meat? We go to Smith's. And we all know they've got that meat cabinet right in the front where the meat's always on sale. You don't, have to, you don't even have to walk into the store at Smith's. You, you don't even have to walk past the checkout stands at Smith's in order to get your meat to sustain you. And it's so foreign to us that there are actual people that believe in our world today that it's cruel to animals to go hunting, but it's okay to buy some sirloin to the store. Because we, we, we have distanced ourselves away from this. Here's what we've done. We've distanced ourselves away from sacrifice. And we don't understand it anymore. When this gospel was preached for the first time, and they said things like, man, someone's got the Holy Spirit in the nursery. <laughs> They're being blessed. When they say things like, God poured out his self, that this is my blood being spilled for you, this is my body broken for you, this idea of sacrifice, the first thing they thought of was Yom Kippur. The first thing that would come to their mind, the first image that would come to their mind is a goat leaving and all of them hoping that it wouldn't come back because God needed to take the sin away. That, these are the images that were coming to their mind when sacrifice was talked about. But we've sanitized it so much that sacrifice is no longer messy and dirty. It's easy. And when we do that, the next step is believing that our faithfulness can save us. Because we don't need that sacrifice anymore. Sacrifice? What's sacrifice? I'm not going to eat all my french fries because I'm on a diet? That's sacrifice? I'm going to stop buying ice cream and eating past nine? No, sacrifice is so much bigger than that. And when we understand sacrifice, we understand grace. And without grace, we cannot understand that God is the one who is faithful. He is the one that will show up. He is the one that will always be there. He is the one that saves through that sacrifice. His faithfulness brings grace. And our response to that is to live in a way that we bring honor to him, not because it's a list of things we have to do, but because we're responding to the goodness that he gives. All of these songs that we have sang, I am so glad that they trans they, they're, they're beyond our circumstances. Because it, it's easy to praise God when things are going good. In fact, oftentimes we just forget about God at all when things are going good. But as soon as they turn, man, God, why? And we want to know. This morning, I want you to take with you that God is faithful. No matter how many promises we make in the new year of changing ourselves, making ourselves better, guess who doesn't do New Year's resolutions? God. 
because he's faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in that promise, it is centered around the fact that he is faithful. So here's what I want you to hear. The band's going to come back up. Pastor Jess is going to come introduce some connecting time stations. (laughs) I need you to hear this. That regardless of what you brought in here today, God is faithful. Regardless of what you were dealing with last Monday, God is faithful. Regardless of what you were dealing with on the way here this morning, God is faithful. And as our hearts are broken for those that gather around a loved one to say goodbye for the very last time, God is faithful. And the amount of sin that you are dealing with, the stuff, the the crud, the stuff that is just clogging up your life, God is faithful. For those people that are just praying for loved ones to just find that light, God is faithful. For those of you that are struggling with everything you're doing, God is faithful. He is faithful to heal, he is faithful to forgive, and he is faithful to cover. In Yom Kippur, they use language of covering your sins but not with a blanket. The best way to do it is, I want you to think about David Copperfield. I used to love David Copperfield. I remember one time we saw him, and I had these airwalks that had spider webs on them. I was ready for David Copperfield. In case you're wondering, he's a magician. (laughs) I realize he's old, but... This idea of Yom Kippur and covering your sins is more like that, except not an illusion. I remember a long time ago, he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. It was on TV, coolest thing in the world. So the Jewish language of covering up your sins is not covering up so you can hide them under the rug. It's covering up so when you pull back the blanket, it's gone. It's been hauled off. It's been taken away. And God says, in my faithfulness, that I will take your sin and separate it as far as the east is from the west, which means you will never see it again. I will cast it into the depths of the ocean. For a fishing town, the depths of the ocean was a place you never came back from. All these illustrations of God being faithful in us to cover your sins to cover your transgressions, to cover the things that you are so shameful about, that you are so embarrassed about. I just need you to know that God is faithful to take those things on. And when you give them to him, he is faithful to never show you again. In fact, one of the greatest truths is when you go to God again, and he says, what what are are you talking about? Because see, we've already handled that. I don't know why you keep bringing that up. It's done. Go and sin no more. We get to be people of faith because of God's faithfulness. We get to rely on grace because of God's faithfulness. Father God, I ask that you bless this time as we respond to your faithfulness as we acknowledge that we need you and that you are the one that can be relied on.